It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And it is Carcone Carne tonight, sponsored by C&H Financial Services. Business owners are continuing to navigate through this new normal brought on by the coronavirus, and C&H Financial Services is here to help. They offer a variety of products, ranging from traditional merchant accounts to a zero-cost payment processing solution, which eliminates the expense associated with accepting Visa, MasterCard, Discover, and American Express as a form of customer payment. C&H Financial Services eTab Solutions, easy to set up for your business for online ordering and curbside pickup. They offer cost-effective commercial lending programs to help you get the business, your business the money it needs to make it through these ridiculous times. To learn more. Contact CNH Financial Services at 855-600-2437 or go to chfs.us. It has been a hell of a year so far. It feels like 10 years. And writer Bill Hayes, my guest tonight, has captured the emotions, the sights, and the tone of the first few months of living during a pandemic in this, his new book, How We Live Now, Scenes from the Pandemic. Bill Hayes is here. Uh, You say it right out of the gate in your book. These stories, your observations, these images, these pictures you took, they all feel like they happened a lifetime ago. Time, time flows differently now, doesn't it? It really does. Uh, yeah. Who, who could have expected or known? I wrote this book starting mid-March, so I think around March 14th or so, and wrote it in two months, wrote and photographed the whole book in two months, added a postscript in June, so it really covers the first 100 days of the pandemic. And... Um, it was a great creative challenge, and I'm so glad I did it, because if I were given this commission today, or this assignment today, right about the first 100 days of the pandemic, I'm sure I wouldn't remember half the things I wrote about, because I was really writing it in real time. And um, so it's kind of a little time capsule about the first 100 days of the pandemic, at least in New York City. It very much is a time capsule, and that's an interesting point. It took you six weeks to write and compile. Right. People talk all the time about the immediacy of the web. And there's, there's always been that feeling that always, there's been a feeling that print can't keep up with the instant instantness of the internet. But I mean, this is about as immediate as it gets. I mean, from, from your, your home to my hands. I mean, yeah. this is a fully realized book. I, I, this is a real, I, I think this is a win for the, the world of print. The fact that a book like this can exist and be turned around so quickly. Oh, thank you. And um, credit goes to my publisher and my editor. Um, I've never written a book so quickly or had a book go to press so quickly. You know, it does prove that you can write a book and it can be published within a couple of months. So I had, uh, I wrote this postscript to the book in early June, but by that point we were already in production and it was out by August. Um, So it was extremely fast and also fast because of the pandemic. You know, everything has been slowed down. Um, so I'm really proud that we were able to get it out so quickly and preserve this spooky, strange, surreal moment in time that has been the pandemic in the United States. So th- this was your focus as the pandemic started. And one thing mm-hmm. we were discussing before we went live, for me with this podcast, I-, I realized that doing this podcast was important to me because it gave me a creative outlet and it gave me yeah. something to, to focus on. It was a fixed point on my calendar every day that I could kind of pour myself into. It seems to me that this book served that purpose for you. 
That is exactly right. I've often said that it was a gift. It was a gift from my editor. It was actually her idea. I had completed another book, um, A History of Exercise, called Sweat, which I'd worked on for many years, and it's still going to come out, but I'd finished that at the end of January and expected I'd hear back, back from her within a couple of months with edits, and she arranged a Zoom call, my very first Zoom call. I didn't know what Zoom even was in March, and uh, we had this Zoom call in early March, and she said, what would you think about writing and photographing a short book about the pandemic? I think we're going to put your history of exercise book on the back burner. And um, I said, yes, you know, without even thinking twice. Yes, because I had a feeling of what was coming. I'm single. I live alone. For two months, it was great to be just immersed in this completely creative project where I was thinking, writing, taking photographs, and trying to create a kind of, um, as I said, time capsule of the first few months of the pandemic. So it was a great gift. It kept me from climbing the walls of this apartment you can see behind me. Well, you, speaking of you being single, I mean, you talk about dating and being connected in this time. Yeah. In a big city like New York or where I am, Chicago, there is that loss of connection. A big city can already feel isolating and impersonal and just kind of cruel but you you tell stories there is a pervasive sense of optimism through this which i gotta say i i appreciate reading especially you know as as these days advance uh you talk about community you talk about camaraderie you talk about hanging out at a place called the jane i, I was yeah it's nice to know that there is connection yeah in a big city in a time of whatever this is yeah, well, I live in the West Village in New York. I don't know if you've ever been in the West Village, but I really have roots here. I mean, I've lived in the West Village for about 10 years, so this little hood is my community. And, um, you know, I probably would have done it anyway, to tell you the truth. I would have been out walking, talking to people, taking photographs. I've been a street photographer for over 10 years. But, um, yeah, it gave me an opportunity to go out every day and, and just take a walk. You know, I wanted to get outside anyway, and I would check in on my favorite people, whether at the smoke shop down the block or the Jane, which is a tavern, it's called the Tavern on Jane, um, or restaurants that I favored or the pharmacy on 14th Street. So yeah, there's a real sense of community. And although the book is very much set in the West Village, I think it could be almost any town USA. Sure. Um, checking in on those people who are in your hood and that you see every day or every week. And um, seeing the pandemic through their eyes. And um, although it's been extremely difficult and sad and tragic and scary, there were also moments of real human connection. And I tried to capture that in how we live now. As a street photographer, I, I think there's a certain fearlessness to what you do because you have no problem approaching strangers saying, yeah. hey, can I take your picture? You, you talk about a woman you saw kind of, what was she arranging? A, a, mandala. a mandala. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, in a lot of ways, everything I had done to date, this is my sixth book and I'd been doing street photography for about 10 years. Um, and I think everything I had done today kind of prepared me to write this book, write and photograph this book, especially in such a short time. Um, so I'd done tons of street photography, uh, had no fear about approaching people. I had learned a lot from my mistakes 
things as simple as keeping your camera on and your lens cap off <laughs> in case you see something you want to take a photograph immediately and not having that fear about approaching complete strangers. And my practice as a street photographer has always been from the very beginning, even when I was using really shitty cameras, was um, to approach people and ask their permission. May I take your picture? So although they're strangers and they're really quick encounters, I call them street portraits, they, you know, they know that their picture is being taken. So, um, but there were new challenges with this book, which challenged me as a photographer. Um, one, obviously the pandemic, there was a different mood and sort of sense of tension in the streets. Um, more fear, you know, about being approached by anyone. And then just the fact that a lot of times the streets and subway stations were empty. So instead of taking people, which is my usual practice, sometimes I was taking photos of entirely empty streets, buildings, subway trains. And, you know, it was a kind of um, almost like urban landscape photography. And I got to know my city in a slightly different way through, through my camera. You talk about this notion of enforced solitude and silence when you see, hear, and feel everything. Even you mentioned the sounds of skateboards, which yeah. are somehow comforting when yeah. everything else is shut down. You, you become, it's like the comic book character Daredevil when he loses his vision and hearing, he gets this radar sense where everything is amplified around him. It, it's, you became Daredevil in New York. Well, I'll take that as a compliment. It's, uh, it's, it's a terrible, terrible metaphor or similar. No, I, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, it was amazing. You know, I live right in the village, right on 8th Avenue. Uh, it's usually very noisy, or it had been noisy. You know, I was used to just traffic, honking. I live across the street from a gas station, which is open until like 4 in the morning. So I was used to that kind of noise. And with the lockdown and shutdown and stay-at-home orders, it went quiet. It went so quiet, I could hear birds singing. I could hear trees rustling in the little park across the street. Um, and while it was eerie, it was also kind of beautiful. And um, Like nature took, took the city back. Yeah. Yeah, nature took the city back. That's a great way to put it. Nature took the city back. You could hear wind. Sometimes the wind was so, you know, spooky, really. It almost spooked me. Um, but it also gave me time to really think and to work and to think about this book. And um, I thought about it day and night. My practice usually was to write in the morning, photograph in the afternoon, edit photographs at night, and um, put this book together really in real time. It really unfolds in real time. And this is exactly what we're saying, having that routine. Yeah. I know so many people who have been hit, they're out of work, they're struggling. And I think the best thing you could do is put a routine around your day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have this book. Um, hopefully I would have figured something out. I probably would have been out taking photographs anyway, but this gave me a real sense of purpose. And the photos in the book are dated. So you kind of get a sense of chronology and yeah. the early photos in the book, for example, people are not wearing masks, which at the time, we were social distancing, which at the time seemed so strange that we would have to be six feet apart because as a street photographer, my practice, I usually, I usually use a 35 millimeter lens. So I'd have to come in pretty close to get a picture. So there's a kind of intimacy to that street photography. So suddenly to have to be at least six feet away, if not farther, 
was a little strange. But um, as the book goes on, you see people begin to wear masks and, and, and you see the changes even in the photographs. And it's my belief that a good photograph should tell its own story. So most of the photographs in this book come without a story or an explanation. They, that was something I was, I was aware of as I was going through, the, the yeah. lack of, I guess, context. It was just, the, the context was they're in this book and you kind of pull your own information out yeah, of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted it, and I like my street photography to feel like you're just passing strangers in the street. And there's a moment of connection, like you meet their eyes or you, you smile at one another or something. There's some connection, which is what happens when I take a picture. Now, what people who are listening may not get a sense for right now, uh, as people who are watching are, you're a photographer. I'm looking at you. You're in a perfectly framed situation. The way you're positioned with the grand piano behind you, the lighting, no surprise you're a professional photographer because you have everything so beautifully arranged and well lit. It's like, <laughs> I feel like I'm at a magazine shoot right now. <laughs> I have to say I'm really lucky. I love, I love my apartment and uh, feel very fortunate. Um, my late partner was Oliver Sacks, the great neurologist and author, and um, this was his apartment, and this beautiful 125-year-old piano behind me was uh, Oliver. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it's really gorgeous. I wish I could say I could play it gorgeously, but I don't. <laughs> I could play a little bit, but not, not as well as he could. What I like about this book, there there will be plenty of stuff written about the political science of this period, the, the science of this period. The human story, I think we're not going to get a lot of right now. It, it, it's Everything is just about headlines and the human aspect of this. I go through so many different emotions and have since March. Sometimes I go through a dozen emotions within an hour. It used to take me a week to cycle through all those emotions, but they're cycling through a, a lot quicker. I, I'd go back from, I'd go from hopefulness to existential dread. Uh, it could be kind of exhausting. And it seems like you covered all those emotions as well. Um, yeah, it's a very honest book. It's a very candid book. I think I, I try to keep you company as a reader. <laughs> and I think one thing I had to do at the outset in order to write this book so quickly really um, was to figure out what this book would not be. That I knew that there was not gonna be a heavy investigative journalistic report. That I wasn't going to be going into the hospitals where the frontline workers were working and where I didn't belong. That it wasn't a comprehensive book about the global pandemic. But I was really trying to look at it in my own small world and hope, hope that that would be universal. And that was really my aim. Yeah, I, I can't imagine someone reading this and not seeing themselves reflected in something. Oh, uh, here. It's really, again, this book, How We Live Now, you'll recognize yourself as you read this. Uh, just a really lovely portrait of just navigating through this because it's been, it's been a year, Bill. Yeah, it has been a year. It has been a year. Yes. So, all right, people can get this where, where you buy books. I mean, we all know where to buy books. books are sold uh, online or in your independent bookstores. Um, yeah. All right, so what's next? Now that this is out the door, what are you working on? Well, I mentioned that right before the pandemic, I finished a complete draft of a manuscript I've been working on for years on the history of exercise, physical exercise. It's called Sweat. And I was bummed that I thought this was going to be the year of sweat. 
that's what I thought this was going to be. But of course, the pandemic changed. I wish this was a year of sweat. If only this was a year of sweat. Yeah, instead, I hardly exercised at all. But um, I will return to that manuscript. I think in a way, it's kind of like it was meant to be. Because I do cover the history of exercise from antiquity, ancient Greece and Rome, through the Middle Ages, Renaissance, 19th century, up to the present day. But I can tell you, because I've researched it, there's really been nothing in the history of exercise like what's happened with this pandemic, where the fitness industry globally shut down, gyms shut down, people having to find new and novel and innovative ways to exercise at home or in parks or outside. So I will go back to the manuscript and do some kind of update accounting for the pandemic. Um, Probably a new opening, but I'm not quite sure. And that book will come out um, about a year from December. So uh, late 2021 or early 2022. And you're right. Everything is is so different from an exercise perspective. I started exercising again because of the pandemic Uh uh, for health reasons, but also just to not not, not have to deal with the weight of all this, like just to get out, get fresh air. Just I, I'm going for walks every day and I've been doing yeah. it since late May every day. I'm going out for one to three hours just so I'm not, you know, doom scrolling through comments and obsessing about it. It's been a real, like it's really emotional healthy. and physical, healthy thing to do. Yeah. Well, I can tell you going back to Hippocrates in ancient Greece, walking was recommended as the best exercise. And it remains one of the best exercises. So I think going for a walk is, is the greatest. And like you, I did the same thing. I used to be a total gym rat. I'd go to the gym four times a week. And that was not an option anymore. So I would go for these long walks and bring my camera and meet people and see things on the street. And, um, and yeah, sometimes even leave my phone at home because who cares? Uh, I think walking is a, so there have been some upsides to this. Oh, for sure. I try to capture that in in the book. For sure. All right. Well, again, How We Live Now, great read. You can read it in one sitting and then you keep turning back, looking at the pictures. Uh, Fantastic job. Can't wait to, can't wait to read Sweat. Thank you. When it comes out. And thank you for doing this. Oh, it was a blast. Thank you for having me. And,